When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And welcome to Rose Ed, the definitive soccer podcast, your place to get all of your Euro 2020 slash 2021 news. It's me, Joe Forrester, here with Hannah East and, of course, with producer Mike. And the three Lions look toothless against Scotland on a weekend in which France les blew it as Hungary starved them of all three points in Budapest and Goosens loosens Portugal's grip on the trophy while Italy are still on fire against the Dragons, Hannah East. Oh, wow. I, I can't get past the fact that you've told me you're wearing a, a smart T-shirt right now and you're just in your pants. So <laughs> I, I haven't got past that yet. You, you had to switch your camera off so you could put your curtain up behind you. And I'm still in that place where I'm finding this a bit weird. Yeah, and it's also a bit of a mistake because I've got, I've got rather tasteful leather chairs. I thought you were going to say leather pants then. I was like, oh my goodness. But the, the skin on leather contact, and they're not they're not real leather. And also I should say I rent. So they're not, I wouldn't, look, Emiliano, if you're listening, thank you. And it's a lovely apartment, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> have chosen the leather chairs with like the mirrored surface to the TV. It's a bit, it's got a mirror. The whole, one half of my room is like a mirror as well. It's right. a bit, Emiliano is a lovely bloke, but it's a bit, it's a bit of a sex palace. Okay. <laughs> I'm safe in saying that. Um, right, Hannah's here and this is producer Mike. Hello, mate. Hello, Joe. I was going to say, don't I like not loving the you know entire wall filled with mirrors. That is a bit of you, isn't it? <laughs> Let's that be is honest. Joe Forrester. <laughs> every, every possible angle, Joe can check himself out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you yet. It's just, it's a win-win for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, okay. So let's, let's talk about how we're, finding the tournament so far we're getting to the end of the group stages it was a bit of a drab weekend at times but then it kicked into life a little bit later um Hannah how have you been enjoying it since we last spoke so well since we last spoke um I know we're going to come on to talk about England and, and performance and stuff but I, I have to say one thing I, I really like is the fact that fans are back in stadiums and seeing the atmosphere um it just makes me feel really hungry to be able to go and watch a football match 
you see. I just um, I think that's a great thing for for players. I think it's really helping with the tournament as well. Nice, really hungry, and it was hungry. You had a yeah, full house in Budapest. You, you were so impressed when I just said hungry. Then you look really excited by the fact I just said that. Um, but yeah, I like I like the crowds. Um, what about yourself? I think yeah, I think it's been brilliant. I loved that moment, and we'll get onto the game later. But I love that moment where they celebrated after Hungary's opener against France and bombed onto the media table where there was a lady on her phone, presumably doing her social media duties. And then she looked up and there was 11 Hungarian players <laughs> on top of her <laughs> and the whole of the stand very down. And she looked alarmed, but then immediately delighted because I've been <laughs> terrified. Um, Mike, what, what have your thoughts been so far? Yeah, it's really kicking up again now, isn't it? I mean, it's been a little bit let down by the format. I'm not going to lie because... Um, watching the game yesterday with with um, with Italy and Wales, you knew like at no instant were Wales actually in danger of going out because even if they finish third, they're still going to go through. And it bit it sort of like devalues it because in 2016, Portugal I think drew three times and then in, in the group stage and then went on to win. So it's taken the sting of it out of a little bit, but I'd still say the games are, are mostly high octane at the moment. So it, I'm enjoying it. That's really really true. I watched that and there was. Uh players on the pitch uh, in this Switzerland game afterwards, head in hands. So what are you upset for? You probably go through. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so oh, I'm really annoyed because we've got a 30% chance of not qualifying. It's quite the drama. <laughs> Let's start with England, of course. The game is on Friday night and we're going to get onto the more recent games first. I was obviously horribly, horribly disappointed. If you don't, if you've never watched a football match in England, particularly with the England national team, it's... Well, I mean, it's a full-on experience. There's lots of there's lots of kind of accountants and teachers and normal people jumping up and down on tables and sofas in pubs and stuff, throwing pints everywhere, singing "Sweet Caroline" and all <laughs> sorts of stuff. It was unbelievable. I was in a pub in Elephant and Castle in South London, and there was loads of Scottish fans. They put the Scottish fans in the basement of the pub. <laughs> which morality is Ooh, like. Let me out, Joe. Let me out. When I go, you're in trouble, laddie. Uh, one of them, one of them did come up to me at the final whistle, whistle, I should say, and was kind of really sincere and looked at me and put his hand out to shake my hand. And as I went to shake his hand, he pulled it back. Oh, no, he didn't. His, wiggled his fingers on his nose, went, thanks for the point, pal. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is a violation. <laughs> I, applaud, I applaud that sort of behaviour. I like, I, like, I like being trolled. I kind of respect that sort of thing. <laughs> England, were, Scotland were very good. Mike said we've got to say Scotland were good, Hannah. So should we quickly just say Scotland were good and get it out of the way? No, I, I think credit where credit's due. I thought oh, wow. Scotland. No, no, honestly, I, I think. But <laughs> he told me to say that, Joe. He told me to say that, the new. No, I think Scotland played really well. And the reason I think they played well because they, they showed passion, but they showed intensity. And I feel that's what we lacked. Um, I think that's what England lacked. But they, they were all over it from the start of the of that match and there was chances for England there was chances for Scotland but they kept they maintained that intensity throughout and you could see how much it it meant to them and you know the build up up to the game we had the Tartan army and they're all chanting everyone's down in London and that to me goes reflects on when you say how have you found the Euros so far seeing fans and that excitement um, it was nice to see I know it's Scotland and if it's Scotland or Wales we have a difference of, a, of opinion on that but um, I thought they played very well and they 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 deserved um they deserved that a note on the scotland fans being down in london it did start on friday night it did and it's i it, i i like right officially nobody likes to see that sort of thing 
unofficially, everybody likes to see that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. It, there's nothing funnier than drunk, naked Scotsmen running around <laughs> London. That, that's just funny. So, you, you did send me a video, or sent us a video, so of, um, of a lot of Scottish men, obviously with kilts on, without pants on, doing a worm up and down the tubes as they were moving, um, you know, seeing everything under the kilt, which that was disturbing for me. That one guy, right, is in about five videos <laughs> all over London, right? So obviously they've been like, right, let's get down to London and we'll get Gary to get <laughs> to get little William Wallace out, right? <laughs> and we'll get to, and we'll just keep filming him. And Gary's gone, hey, I'll do that, hey. But then obviously Gary eventually, rightly, was arrested when the police finally <laughs> apprehended him. So Gary's missed the game and spent it in a cell where all his friends are like, oh, that was a laugh, let's go to the pub. <laughs> I mean, so what we're saying is Gary didn't have a ticket to the match and Gary is actually my papa. That's who <laughs> <Yeah>. it is. <laughs> hey. You want a wee worm? I'll show you a wee worm. Watch this. (laughs) Your kids watching TV just like, Grandad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hello, Papa. (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, I thought it was incredible. It it was an amazing atmosphere. What's really lovely about it is obviously football fans get quite a bad name. And yeah, there was loads of raucous, silly behaviour. I think there's a big place for silliness in life in general. And there was kind of nothing like wasn't any altercations or anything it was just being really really silly and childish which I for one I'm a massive fan of yeah look Scotland were excellent I'm I thought England were very poor there's been one phrase that keeps coming up this weekend everyone I've spoken to the double pivot basically two defensive midfielders yeah Mike I know you hate that don't you yeah, I mean, it's just the way in which it's done. If you've got a player that's a bit more, you know, progressive with the ball, it's fine. So, like, when when Calvin Phillips was playing against Croatia, he was sort of, you know, given licence to roam. Um, but then, you know, people overhyped his performance. You know, there was the Andrea Perlo comparisons and, and all that nonsense. And then it mm. just plainly didn't work because the midfield is just not good enough against Scotland. And I just feel like when you've got so much attacking talent like we do, you just sort of almost have to let them go and just say, look, you, you guys just do do your jobs, give them the ball as much as possible, let them rotate, let them be fluid. And there was none of that. Harry Kane came under a lot of stick, Joe. Yeah. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about everyone coming for your boy? Well, I'm not, I mean, I'm not his agent, <laughs> but, but I should say the thing is about Kane is, right, so here, my, my analysis of the game is, yeah, two defensive midfielders against Scotland, why? I get, if you play that system against Italy or France or Germany, whatever, I get it. You're looking to soak up pressure and hit them on the counter with our quick players on the break. Fine. Firstly, Scotland aren't going to come on to you in the same way that kind of some of the bigger teams might, but equally... You're not going to be able, so you're not going to be able to counter on them because they're not going to be pushing up on you quite as much. What we really lacked was a connection between midfield and attack. Yeah. Now, anybody who's watched Tottenham this season, and the reason that Harry Kane got the most assists in the Premier League as well as the most goals is because he actually plays about twenty yards deeper than where Southgate put him. He's not yeah. a target man anymore. He doesn't really have loads of pace. He's never had loads of pace. Mm. If you want someone to be on the end of chances and. I don't know, win a header in the box or something, not there was any balls coming into the box, and play Dominic Calvert-Lewin. But Harry Kane can link up play. So when everyone was saying, oh, we should be playing Grealish, it's like, well, no, I think you're playing Kane out position anyway. Yeah. I agree with Mike. I think, to be honest, you don't need Rice and Phillips based on how good Phillips was against Croatia. Drop Rice and then maybe stick Mount and Grealish in from the start or pull Foden back 
and play him in midfield and then let Rashford or Sancho play up top with Sterling and Kane. Um, I also thought the decision when Grealish came on to take Foden off was insane. Foden was the only England player making anything happen. Uh, what worries me as well is, is Southgate played probably the two most uh, the two best attacking fullbacks in the Premier League and asked them to stay on the halfway line. What's the point of that? If you mm. want if you want good defensive right backs or good defensive fullbacks, then those aren't the guys to play there. I just thought uh, it worries me that I'm an amateur sitting in his kitchen with essentially a duvet up behind me and I can see the glaring flaws in this team and the manager can't. Uh, I, I just find that a bit of a worry. And if you compare it to a team like Italy, who we are going to bang on about, who looks so well coached, oh, yes. then I just, I really worry for England's future once we get out of the group. Um, Hannah, what but do you, you think? Well, I, I kind of, I looked at it that I, I think Kane needs to be that traditional number nine. Like I thought he looked tired um, I thought he should have come off a bit earlier. And when you think about the semi-final of the World Cup, like they didn't make the substitution early enough for Kane. And I, I, I disagree with Kane going too deep. Um, I think he should stay up top all the time. And he needs to be like you need to have that designated number ten, like the lack of uh, like of, of Foden or, or Grealish in that number ten position. Mm. They need to feed the ball to Kane because he is the he's the striker. He's the one that's going to put the ball in the back of the net. We don't need Kane to be making assists. We need the ball to be passed to him for him to to score and that was I thought that was fairly evident um and it's just that concern with um I, I know we I was very much in the defense of Gareth Southgate in the, in the first podcast I think he's I think he's good um but I just feel sometimes his decisions like you say you, you're sat at home watching and you're thinking I don't understand the logic behind that um mm. a little bit so um yeah, I, I thought I thought as soon as the match finished, I thought Kane's going to get loads of stick for this, um, and, which I think is unnecessary. I think it should have been um, more of a focus on him not going too deep and, and yeah, scoring is more there, goals. Really. Is there an argument to... Because England probably, because Mike was talking about the format, given the format, England probably will get through the group. What's weird about England's group is it's... Well, I suppose everybody's in a way, but because... Group F has, with France and Germany and Portugal, has not panned out how everybody thought it would with yeah, France yeah. losing points. There's no way to predict who's going to finish where. Yeah. Might be Germany finishing top, might be France finishing top. You can't second guess that kind of thing. So, is there an argument in this third game to go, right, Kane looks knackered, yeah. and there were clearly elements of this system that didn't work. Let's make three or four changes. Yeah. rotate a little bit, knowing that we've got a last 16 game against someone. And then it maybe gives a Sancho or a Grealish or somebody yes. like that yeah. a chance to play themselves in a little bit, maybe start Rashford up top as well. I, yeah. mean, I don't know. Is there an argument to do that? Well, I think so, because it, what's the point in saving players in a tournament like this? Why rest certain players when we don't have that certainty that we're actually going to make it through? It's not a given. Um, and from from watching the game, it's we need that intensity. We need that speed. Uh, the, we need to move the ball quicker. Uh, we need to get it forward more. I mean, that was evident to everybody. So like you say, that formation, I don't think was our best formation. Um, but, I mean, uh, Gareth Southgate has said he's definitely going to start Kane um, against the Czech Republic on um, on Tuesday, tomorrow. Um, so he, he's already made that decision. So I think he really needs to look at the rest of the team uh, and, and positions of... And I do think that rotation is key to that. I think, as well, football is such a simple game sometimes. And, Mike, I know this kind of thing like annoys you as well. If you get the... So you've got a midfield three and one of you receives the ball then 
you're never going to create anything or you're going to struggle to create anything if the two pass has been offered a square. And it's really, really simple. Move your runners forward, make forward runs, and then you can play forward balls. That disconnect between midfield and attack drives me insane because there were moments where there was 30 yards between Harry Kane and Mason Mount or whoever it might be. And obviously you're not going to make anything happen because there's no opportunity to get in those little pockets and players to find runs. I mean, I just find it annoying. Yeah, I mean, there's no one told... <laughs> Southgate not told the team, like, do not go with a... 30 meter radius of Harry Kane it's just it's just insane because when you yeah. see him for the Spurs as you said the reason he's so good he drops deep human song goes ahead of yeah. him there's the yeah. combination play I mean there's a reason why them two had so many goals and assists for each other and between each other last season because it's that interplay and I think you're just missing out on such a big part of that when you don't in involve Kane in the play he's such a good player he's so much more than just the goal scorer you know he is the, he's the link up man he's he's great technically he's got an incredible you know range of passing for a, for a center forward and i think the one really that that needs to be in there above all else is sancho because he's yeah. had such an unbelievable end to the season for for um Borussia Dortmund started the season really poorly actually but just was unreal towards the end and i feel like you have to play players based on form and I know Southgate was was talking about him the other day and saying look like I've, I've got a lot of players here this is a, a position that's, that's in demand there's a lot of competition there I just feel like let him go in this game against Czech Republic and just let him see what he can do because obviously there's only so much a player can show in training before you actually need to say all right he needs to he needs to go in in the game yeah What's interesting about Jaden Sancho as well, if you haven't seen a lot of Jaden Sancho, so he's not your kind of Raheem Sterling get to the byline and square it, nor is he your Marcus Rashford kind of cut inside and drive at goal necessarily. He's a bit more like Phil Foden, cuts inside, does a bit more in and around the box. He's quite a tricky technical player. Yeah. And I think him on one side, Foden on the other side, maybe switching or whatever. That to me sounds very exciting. And I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know the real reason that England struggled on Friday though. And it was Gareth Southgate's outfit. So yeah. you know, that is, that is the reason. <laughs> so what Gareth was Southgate was wearing a white, I couldn't work out if it was a white shirt or a white polo shirt. I couldn't see because I didn't get to see the sleeves at any point. So I cannot confirm that, all right? We will not report <laughs> unsubstantiated facts. But he was wearing a long raincoat like a flasher. It was very much kind of like he was like Scott McTominay was going to turn around. He was going to be like, Ooh. Kind of <laughs> what's the game plan don't worry about it i've got it lads all right so whenever they come over for a throw what do you think of that yeah <laughs> i mean but it was in a weekend of strange outfits right Joachim Lowe, we talked about him on the last episode scratch and scratch sniff, and sniff. <laughs> he's also got quite a large collection of i've never seen these before kind of like silky polo shirts they're kind of like you know the material that the invisibility cloak is made out of in harry potter and it kind of <laughs> shimmers He's got that, and his assistant had a matching one, and Joachim Lowe went one further and had matching trousers. So he had like a, an entire silky get-up, which I personally thought was... A, I mean, Joachim Lowe is uh, potentially the least desirable manager at the tournament, isn't he, Anna? <laughs> I actually love him. And uh, I, I saw <laughs> and a picture... <laughs> yeah, I'm married to him. I, I saw a picture of, um, of myself when I was at school. You know, like the pudding bowl haircut? Yes, yeah, so 90s. So 90s. And I was like, oh, my God, the resemblance there is uncanny between the two of us. <laughs> um, but his outfits, his hair, his swag, he's, he's got it all for me. He's a full package. I quite liked 
uh, Luis Enrique this weekend because I mean that's mm-hmm. a terrible game as well, Spain Poland. But he he went for the green polo and the uh, tan chinos, very much like he was uh, playing in the Ryder Cup, which <laughs> I really like. I thought he looked quite cool. But nobody is out doing Roberto Mancini. Roberto Mancini is fresh out of a, a like a next catalogue, isn't he? Kind of silver yeah. fox, just like dads you've still got it too. And it's like, well, no, not really, because we don't look like Roberto Mancini. (laughs) He kind of swings his jacket over his shoulder and kind of just like when people, and there's even little moments where kind of he looks at people and kind of like winks at them. And you're just like, oh, you, I can just so see him in an Italian wine bar with just like a little, a little espresso and maybe like a little shabbly on one side. He's just, he's, he's honestly, he's, he's bossing it in every way, isn't he, Hannah? He is. He is. I, I like his style, and I just I can just visualise you one day walking your kids to school with that exact swag, doing that little trout pout, winking at passersby, chucking your jacket over your shoulder, like, "Come on, kids, follow me. This is where we're going." I can <laughs> like see that. Pied Piper. <laughs> <laughs> Modelling yourself on him. I would love to be about Mancini, except obviously I'm English, so by that age, I'll have let myself go a little bit. <laughs> and I'll just look really tired and just my belly will be coming out the bottom two buttons of my shirt. You'll be walking down the street, England, taking your kids to school in that case. Oh, like Mancini. I'm obviously <laughs> Forrester. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Germany. So we comfortably wrote Germany off in yeah. after their performance against France. I said I didn't think they were that good. They, I didn't think they would do anything in this tournament. I've never learned because, lo and behold, they went and played Portugal this weekend smashed them 4-2. Six-goal thriller. That's it was the best, it was. Game, best game of the tournament so far. Mm-hmm. It was so good. I sat down, to, I was cat-sitting for my mate, actually. So, <laughs> so I sat down and watched it with Zola, his cat. Uh, <laughs> and um, it was honestly, I sat down and just thought, oh, okay, I'll just watch this and then nip home. It was, oh, Zola and I were engrossed. It was unbelievable. Germany had a goal disallowed right at the start. Portugal scored probably the best counter-attacking goal I've seen in this tournament. And then Germany absolutely blew them away uh, they set the goose loose Robin Goosens out on the left just played like a young iron Robin I mean I thought Germany were amazing Hannah well they they came like into the tournament under a lot of pressure didn't they and mm. and tabloids were kind of reporting that they don't have a goal scorer they got the wrong system players played out of position and like you say they were written off but mm. you can never ever underestimate the Germans ever mm. can you we will always come back <laughs> all of it's come back and get you yeah <laughs> um, my Ger- my german impression is always kind of like a sexy predatory techno dj That's... that you've practiced in front of your mirrors in oh, your living room yeah oh guys what do you want to do robin goosens you play down to the left and you get the ball in and we're being the portuguese yeah i'm um, sorry about that if you are ger- i should say i'm a quarter german so i'm allowed to do that that's in the rules <laughs> Mike, uh, Germany were quality. Robin Goosens, I don't know loads about him. He plays for Atalanta, who are obviously a very good swashbuckling attacking team. But from my amateur analysis, I just kind of looked at it and thought, well, the difference between what they did here and what they did against France is they just seemed to play a little bit further up the pitch and it put a lot more pressure on Portugal. Yeah, I mean, the wing-backs were incredible. Like Joshua Kimmich, who's, who's obviously a midfielder as well, like that guy just completely controlled the game from right wing-back, which is not even where he plays normally or at all. So it's just, yeah, um, unbelievable. And I think they're a danger. I think Kai Havertz coming into his own as well, like mm. by the by the British press was written off quite early as well. Um, like, like the Germans, you know, came from Bayer Leverkusen last season for in excess of 70 million. And um, yeah, didn't do great in, in his first sort of six, seven months at Chelsea, but then scored in Champions League final. 
is scoring big goals again now. So I think he definitely is the is the key man, and that guy can play anywhere. Um, I think Lowe is just trying to trying to bow out um, at, at a good at a good you know final tournament, and then see where he takes. I don't think they're going to win it, but I think they will they'll go a lot further than people thought they would. Yeah, absolutely. If they play like that, then they're going to give anybody problem probably worth saying Cristiano Ronaldo another goal he scored in 10 consecutive international tournaments which is pretty amazing to be fair to him right let's talk about France versus the hungry hungry hippos <laughs> and they, they they were hungry <laughs> is that a niche reference do they have that game in America they must do they must do hungry hungry hippos is an American game uh, do you think they'll be after that that performance? Do you think they'll be pleased to be referenced as the hungry, hungry hippos? <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, France, world champions, uh, having beaten Germany in the first game as well, played Hungary in a full stadium in Budapest, which looked amazing. I don't know if anyone's been to Budapest. It's really, really good. And it just I went straight on Skyscanner and checked if there are any flights, and then realised that you can't. You're not actually allowed to go from the UK. <laughs> But that looked absolutely incredible. Like Hannah said, it's so good to have a full stadium. Hungary were class, defended for their lives. France had loads and loads of chances, but ended up one all. And Hungary just have just given themselves a fighting chance in this group. Which and is a surprise. Who would have thought that? Well, they're your, they're your boys, Hannah. Yeah. You backed them. I did back them. And yeah, they did, like you say, defended superbly and they took their chance when it arose. But I, I genuinely was not expecting that. I kind of was joking like, oh, you know, the, the group of death and stuff like that, it's not going to work for them. But actually, that's what's great about the Euros. And that's what's great about tournaments like this. It's always the underdogs that will just step up when you least expect and rustle feathers. Well, who's Russell Feathers? Does he play for Grimsby? Play Scarborough Town. But it's also made things very interesting in Group F because obviously everybody thought France was going to walk it, then it was be between Germany and Portugal for who finished second. And now, Mike, it's kind of it's a bit of a toss-up, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it looks like France almost needs something from that game now, don't they? Because... Like Portugal wouldn't go all out to win, um, you know. Germany should beat Hungary. So then, then you're looking at it thinking actually France, you know, could be could could be finishing third. When we were all trying to work out the permutations for England, mm. now how do we avoid France? How do we avoid avoid them? Well, it's, we just assumed that they'd steamroll it, but actually they haven't, and they actually look a little bit disjointed. I think, you know, you've got all the all these stars in this team, and it's like. When when they don't perform, you know who who do you look to? The manager, and then you know who we were going to talk about later. Italy, you you see the difference between you know a well coached side and a and, and a side full of just you know superstars that you need to just you need to let go. But I thought Hungary were absolutely you know so so much so good value for their point and fair play to them because you know they're they're a tiny nation. They shouldn't be beating the world champions, but. But um, but they they got a point against them. It's unbelievable. Well played. There is a scenario as well in Group F where Hungary go through and either Germany or Portugal go out. And it's not likely to happen, but this is what I mean. This point's made it really, really interesting. So France are top on four, Germany then Portugal, both on three points, Hungary on one point. So if Hungary beat Germany and France beat Portugal, then it's going to come down to goal difference Yeah. out of who of those two finishes third and who finishes fourth. Certainly made things very, very interesting. Right, at last, let's get to the bit that we've all actually wanted to talk about the whole time. Let's talk about Italy. First, we should say Wales are through. It's great. It's a much worse Wales team than at 2016. So they're through. They finished second. 
that's great. The adventure continues. <laughs> no, it is. You good. sound it is so good. excited, Joe. <laughs> it is. It is good. It's like my my sort of. I think my um my anti home nations madness has kind of cooled a little bit now that we're kind of ten days into the tournament, and I'm sort of thinking, oh yeah, it's quite fun to have Wales there still, isn't it? But I mean, Italy again. It was only a one nil win. They made eight changes, and I mean, Hannah, I just thought again they were just, they were absolutely purring. They they looked as good as their manager. <laughs> they were like velvet. Oh. Um, what's what's your thoughts then on on the changes that they made? Well, do you know he brought Marco Verratti in. He's obviously a quality player. Marco Verratti in the Italy versus Wales game had the most touches, the most completed passes, the most chances created, and the most tackles, as well as getting the only assist of the game. That's pretty much the perfect performance, I would say. Basically, he was the best on the pitch for everything. The only thing he could have done is to score, but then he wouldn't have got the assist if he'd have scored it as well. Look, they made eight changes, and it just goes to show, I think, what a well... And Mike and I, like, we'd be banging on about this, what a well-coached team can do. Because you can bring the players in or out, but it's a system, and the system is kind of everything. I thought they were fantastic. Again, I actually thought Wales were incredibly good defensively. Mm-hmm. I thought they defended really, really well, much better than Switzerland or Turkey had managed against Italy. But Mike, that system is its so clear. Everybody knows their job. Everybody knows what to do. One person receives the ball in midfield. Two people break past him. They want to win every ball. They won't even let it go out for a throw-in. They're by far the best coach team in the tournament, aren't they? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just the way they, they suffocate teams, Joe. It's like you... You get the ball and you just got three Italian men just surrounding you. And it's just quite a scary prospect, you know. And- Is it? Well, exciting prospect. Yeah. <laughs> Wanted to be on the pitch. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's, it's just unbelievable what the, the work that he's done. I think that's 30 games unbeaten now. Is, um, yeah. under Under Roberto Mancini and they just look frightening. And the fact that you can make eight changes and the connection between the players and the relationship and you know the the, the structures that he's implemented you know the, the overlapping pullbacks and and the um you know the the runs from midfield and you know you, they're, they're playing pretty much like almost two defensive midfielders in Jorginho and Verratti but mm. they just make it look a lot sexier than England do because because these are actually like really technically competent players um that you know are coached in the right way they've um you know it's just a whole load of difference and i feel like we need to see them against a big team but ultimately they've done everything they can and um when if if they do come up against an england or you know another big team that's not quite you know shining as they are tactically i think we will see the, the real difference um but yeah, how, just, how, just so many good performance in that. Yeah, it's just so many, so many good individual performances. The fact that you can make that many changes and still be that good. Yeah, because if England did that, or if other other teams did that, you would really be concerned about the dynamic of that team, um, the fluidity, the flow. Mm. Yeah, um, you would you would be concerned about that. But they just adapted, as um, you know, 
beautifully um, they, but they adapted really well and, and just remained so passionate and professional with it where I think a lot of other teams making that many changes would really struggle um, it would take a while for the dynamic to settle on the pitch do you think also their team spirit yeah like like you say on this point Hannah their team spirit is absolutely yeah pumping you can tell they're going mad on the bench for every tackle one there was a moment at the end of the game I can't remember who it was out on the left wing there's a ball about to go out for a throw and he slid about five yards down the touchline to stop the ball going out. There's no point in doing that in like the 88th minute, apart from the fact that you want the ball in play the whole time so you can create more and attack more. And Bonucci on the pitch at the end, he was obviously rested in this game. Him on the pitch at the end, they're all hugging and celebrating, going mad. They know they're playing well. And Mancini not only has got them playing great football and got them in a system where everybody knows their job, but he's got them so pumped up and this is my thing about England and I know Southgate was kind of intimating that look I don't know why people are so down on it chances are we're through the group four points from the first two games that's better than we normally do okay point taken but I think playing well serves a purpose because it build it's not about limping through each game because what we're going to do limp through seven games and win the tournament of course we're not you're going to lose at some point so I think you need to Playing well builds team spirit and builds confidence in your players. I really think it does. But look, Italy looked like the team to beat at the moment, right? No, uh, no, Sean Dyche's poetry corner this week. No, I think Sean Sean had a heavy weekend. You know, he had the good weather. Um, I think he was out all weekend, so I couldn't get in touch with him to speak to him this weekend. I'm afraid he he was at a poetry conference. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, what we're going to do today is Eric Dyer's vegetable patch. So where Eric Dyer's vegetable patch comes from is an article I read a few weeks ago that absolutely changed my life about Tottenham centre-back Eric Dyer, much maligned Tottenham centre-back Eric Dyer, I should say, and the fact that he keeps an allotment, which he tends lovingly. Did you see this article, Hannah? I did, yeah. And do you know what? I I love Eric Dyer, let's face it, is a limited football player, but he's a smashing fella. (laughs) <laughs> he really is. I mean, when his when his family are insulted, he will go into the stands to fight people. <laughs> when he needs the toilet, he will run off in the middle of a match. He's a unique individual. Also, I uh, interviewed him once and he was so sweet. Like honestly, he was so so sweet. It was before so it was um you ready for some name dropping, Hannah? Do it. Go on, just do it. Here we go. Um this is when my career was going okay before it started. <laughs> but we were doing a shoot for PlayStation with Anthony Joshua and Eric Dyer. Now, Anthony Joshua is obviously like the size of a wardrobe and quite to a normal kind of, well, beta male at best. He's quite intimidating because he shakes your hand. He's just like, you're out, man. And like his whole hand kind of goes round your little hat. It's like when you hold a child's hand. It's, <laughs> and I could also see his his six pack through his jumper. Oh my which god! I didn't I didn't know you could see abs through wool. But <laughs> Anthony, Anthony Joshua is proof that you can. But the other person there was Eric Dyer, who was really kind of sweet and nervous. And then when we started chatting, I was like, oh, well, we're putting the microphone on him. And I was like, oh, Eric, I'm a Tottenham fan. He's like, oh, yeah, okay, that's cool. Um, and it was before we played Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League a few years ago, because obviously, as Mike is going to point out, we're not in the Champions League anymore. So... <laughs> Get in there first. Yeah, I knew it. I could, I could feel it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but before we played Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League. And I was like, oh, I'm really looking forward to the Dortmund game next week. And he went, well, are we playing Dortmund? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yes. And he went, oh, home or away? I was like, wow. I'm not in the team. <laughs> what, what, what are you asking? If you, you no way. If you've got to go to Germany to play in the Champions League, don't you know? Uh, but I thought, I thought this man doesn't know where his passport is. Somebody must keep that for him. But he was adorable. And then at the end, he came up and was like, oh, thank you. Nice to meet you. Bye. And then like his agent sort of shepherded him out. He's basically like a giant child. And that might be a bit reductive. But I base, what I mean is a lot of footballers can be quite obnoxious and quite arrogant. Yeah. And Hannah, you've worked with a lot of footballers and know yeah. that to be true. Yeah. But he I'm, just, not, I'm not going to name drop any, by the way, on this. Uh, no, <laughs> okay. absolutely. Uh, I was trying to think who's the like person I could say <laughs> who I could really get you in trouble with, but there isn't anyone. But do you know what? Yeah, he's he was just such a lovely man. And it doesn't surprise me that he's got an allotment. So in a very roundabout way, that is where Eric Dyer's vegetable patch came from. So we thought we would do a feature where we look at footballers with unusual hobbies. And today, buckle up, kids. I thought I'd do <laughs> Michael Owen. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Seen a bit about him in the press. If you have been reading English newspapers, would well, you know what? If you haven't, just Google it. Okay, just Google it. Um, hello, Michael, if you are listening. And please feel free to send me a DM. So, <laughs> Michael Owen, former Liverpool striker, Real Madrid strikers course as well, Newcastle, apparently is known to love challenges. And one challenge that he loves in particular is jigsaw puzzles. And on one occasion, he posted a picture of himself having finished a horse-themed jigsaw with a thousand pieces. That's quite good, isn't it, Hannah? I've never it done is. a jigsaw that big. Do you know, I, I haven't done one that big either. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Owen also, if you've not seen it, it's worth seeking out. He is also a pilot and there's a very famous uh, helicopter video of him. He's a heli he, can, he can fly a helicopter. Um, there's a very famous video of him flying over the Dubai skyline. I can't remember, Mike, is it real or is it simulated? In my head, it's, it's a cartoon, but it's real, isn't it? It is. It's definitely real, but you know, you you just sort of don't expect it because this is a guy who like famously says that he doesn't watch films. He just doesn't enjoy blockbusters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you sort of bring in bring his character into question a little bit. Um, he's sort of like in the in it's to me anyway. He's he's in the band of uh, boring James Milner and those sort of footballers that just don't do much. So. To hear that he does jigsaws doesn't surprise me whatsoever. But absolutely fair play because they've got a lot of spare time. So, but at least James Milner is is self aware. Kind of he knows he's boring and kind of makes does a few gags and stuff yeah. on Insta. There was that really really funny thing. I think it was maybe during the 2018 World Cup where he made a starting eleven out of like odds and sods that he found around his house. My favorite, uh, and he he did like a pop star starting eleven with football puns. Oh yeah, that and was class. Up front, he had a, a tiny, a tiny Wayne Rooney football big head, and he said Lil Wayne, which really, really tickled me because it's just, it's just not hurting anyone, is it? It's just quite sweet. And you think, ah, oh, he's walked around his whole house looking for stuff to do eleven things. And I'm sure it took him a while to walk around his house as well. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, his wife's like, James, what are you doing? I'm looking for that Wayne. You see me Wayne Rooney, Karen. <laughs> But yeah, Michael Owen. Do you know what? Look Michael Owen up in a search engine of your choice today, and I'm sure the first thing that comes up will be 
jigsaw puzzles. And send right. him a DM. <laughs> send him a, send Michael a DM, letting him know what you think about his jigsaw puzzles. Of your vegetable patch. <laughs> oh, wow. oh. <laughs> I'm just going off Eric Dyer's vegetable patch thing there, Joe. Come on. Oh, oh go to the doctors. Right, England Czech Republic tomorrow night, as you said, yeah. Hannah, very quickly. What do we want to see different apart from an England win? Or do we, we don't, maybe we don't even want an England win. I don't know what we want. Well, it, it, we've, we've got to remember, we did still get a point uh, against Scotland. We need to avoid defeat. But do you think that's an okay attitude to go into a game? Because I feel like that's where we're going with it. Like, oh, avoid defeat, um, as if that'll be okay. But I feel we need a bit more of an injection of pace. We need a bit more power. And uh, I, yeah, I th- yeah. That's where I'm at. I personally am bang up for a draw because a draw puts a second, Mm -hmm. which means we play whoever finishes second in Group E, which is Sweden, Slovakia, Spain and Poland. If you're thinking, oh, I'm not really aware of that group, it's because it's been by miles the worst group. (laughs) Every game has been terrible. It's been such a boring, rubbish group. And I would fancy even boring England against anybody in that group. Um, Don't know what you think, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those games have been horrendous, haven't they? Uh, for England, <laughs> I think just just try and stop Patrick Schick from from just embarrassing you because I think he's got yeah. three goals now. One of them was at absolute worldy against Scotland, which we will keep going back to time and time again because just left David Marshall spun in a web of, of the net and it's just like hilarious. literally inter- intertwined himself because yeah he's got yeah. three goals in this tournament he's had 10 attempts on goal and he's been on target with six oh, pretty good. Yeah. it's a dangerous start isn't it to go up absolute, absolute danger man but yeah I just, I just want to see as Hannah mentioned earlier I want to see a bit of intensity from England I want to see them on the front foot because there's there's no reason why we shouldn't be winning that game and because it is all about momentum. Like like Joe said earlier, like you don't want to be just scraping through. You want to get you want to use these games to build confidence. Like Italy made eight yeah. changes and still absolutely battered Wales. So we need to do the exact same. And yeah. I, I, I want to see some fresh blood. Like I want to see Jack Grealish in there. I want to mm. see Sancho. I want to see Bukayo Saka, not just because I'm an Arsenal fan. Um, you know, like throw him on, Bukayo see Saka. what he can do. Yeah, it's, exactly. Give him a go. There's, there's, there's no reason why. It's maybe maybe this is a game to see um, how how the injured boys are doing as well to see how see how Maguire is doing yeah. see how Jordan Henderson is and and so we can hopefully use them later in the tournament because they're going to be big players. England have got at least six days off once they qualify. Should they qualify? I mean, it's almost impossible not to. But England have got at least six days off after this. So yeah, why not give people a run out see where their fitness is at? Just looking at the yeah. other groups as well. Group A is all sewn up. Obviously, Italy finished top, Wales second, Switzerland finished third turkey finished bottom on zero points potentially the worst team in the tournament so far in group b belgium a top belgium are going through no matter what happens they play finland today russia are playing denmark as well russia currently sitting second in that group but a win for denmark could depending on the swing put them second maybe third all to play for there in group c netherlands are through ukraine and austria both on three points and netherlands facing north macedonia my boys who are out of the tournament and have no way of qualifying obviously in group d czech republic top (laughs) yeah mike's sad no no more north macedonian national anthem Uh, czech republic top of obviously group d england currently sitting in second both those teams likely to go through croatia are playing scotland in the final game 
uh, of the group. Both those teams could also finish third and second as well. It's how open it is with this format. Group E, Sweden on four, Slovakia on three, Spain on two, Poland on one. To be honest, no one really cares who goes through from that group. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. It's a terrible group. Slovakia playing Spain and Sweden playing Poland in the final round of games. And the really exciting one, Group F, Germany have got Hungary, Portugal have got France. These games are on Wednesday. France currently top four points. Germany and Portugal both on three points. Hungary on one point. France will go through, but... There is potential for everything to change in that group. France, the lowest they can finish is third, but that might not be enough for them to qualify. That group, weirdly, has turned in to the most interesting. Right, that's it for today. There's just time to say, if you want to send us a picture of yourself, <laughs> right, can I just say, no Michael Owen style stuff here. Keep it clean, yeah? <laughs> Keep it clean. You can send us a picture at Rosehead Pod on Instagram or at Rosehead Soccer on Twitter for the Rosehead fans calendar. And our favourite picture will get to put a word into Sean Dyche's poetry corner. Right, that's it from us. Uh, Hannah, thank you very much. Thank you, Joe. Mike, thank you very much. Cheers, Joe. And don't forget, we will be back on Thursday. You can get in touch with Soccer on Twitter, Rosehead Pod on Instagram, and we will see you next time. Bye. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.